In preparing for the message today, I was reminded again of how the Bible is full of stories that quite often are very intense and very emotional. And that's the, the type of story we're looking at today. Dealing with a defiant demon is the title of the message. We're looking at Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. And before we read this story together, let's first of all remind ourselves of what comes right before this story. If you look at the first part of Mark chapter 9, we read about how Jesus took Peter, James, and John on a high mountain, and that's where he was transfigured before him. His, his appearance was changed, and there was kind of a brilliant radiance that came from him. And also Elijah and Moses appeared on the mountain with, uh, with Jesus. And so Jesus and those three disciples were... Um, up on the high mountain, they began to make their way back to the other disciples, and that's where we pick up at verse 14. It says, When they, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with its spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him, and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, as we approach this story in your word today, we pray that you would help us to, first of all, pay good attention to your word. We pray that you would guide us so that we understand this story correctly. We also pray that you would help us to see how this story applies to our lives today, what it is that we ought to learn from this story. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the Bible. Thank you that we can read about 
the life and ministry of Jesus, how he came to provide salvation for us, how he cares and, and for us and for others, and how he helps us. I pray that you would use this time to strengthen our faith in Christ, and also, Lord, that we would see the importance of having a confident trust in you and persevering in prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I already mentioned, this story is, is, is pretty intense and emotional, especially if you put yourselves in the shoes of those who were, who were there on this day. I mean, imagine that you were the son, for example. I mean, imagine that you're that, you're that boy and this evil spirit would come and, and cause you to go into a convulsion on the floor and you'd foam at the mouth and you'd stiffen up and, and you'd roll around. I mean, what a horrible thing to go through. If you look at the description of what was going on here for this boy when this evil spirit would cause him to go into these things, it, it almost seems like he was having a, almost like a seizure, right? Like an epileptic seizure or something like that. Um, I actually have a cousin who, in his younger days, struggled with those epileptic seizures, and it was a very scary thing, very intense, a very emotional kind of a thing. Now, in this case, it was caused by a demon possession with this boy in the story. But imagine that you were the boy or you're part of his family and all of a sudden it happens again. It would be very scary. It would be a very emotional, intense experience. I mean, And this demon was doing his best to try to destroy the boy, trying to get him in water and fire as these convulsions were happening. Imagine that you're the father, right? Imagine you have all of this concern for your son, you become very desperate and frustrated over the situation. Imagine what it would be like to try to protect your son and to care for him in the midst of this evil spirit giving him such trouble. And as we think about the story, imagine that you're the nine disciples. Remember, Peter, James, and John were not there. But the other nine disciples were there. And, and this man brings this boy to them, essentially asking, telling them, Hey, cast the demon out of the boy. Imagine that you're those nine disciples. Okay, they, they bring the boy to you, cast the demon out. Can you do it? Sure, we can do it. Why? They had done it before. They would cast out demons before. Mark chapter 6. Jesus gave them authority to do that, and they went and did that. We read that for our scripture reading this morning. But imagine that you're those nine disciples, and you're unable to help the boy. You couldn't cast the demon out. And then, not only that, but you have the scribes, some religious leader types among the Jewish people coming and, and arguing with you then. They're probably taunting them. You know, you aren't actually from God. Jesus ultimately isn't from God, the one who you claim has given you authority to do all this stuff. You can't help the boy. You don't have power over this demon. Look at you. Look how foolish you guys are looking. I imagine that they were taunting them as they were arguing, and all of this took place in the presence of a crowd. I mean, imagine how, you, how crummy you would feel as one of those nine disciples. You couldn't help. The scribes are pointing that out, and you got this large crowd gathered around you. A terrible feeling must have been inside of those nine disciples. Well, if you were a scribe, imagine how happy you would have been. This would have been a great opportunity to discredit Jesus and his disciples. They've been looking for an opportunity just like this to, to, to in the presence of a crowd, discredit Jesus and his disciples. And they were probably very happy about what was going on. If you were there in that crowd that day, you would have been thinking, man, 
this is some crazy stuff going on, right? I mean, if you saw a, a young boy have these convulsions like that, that would have been a very intense thing, right? You wouldn't have been like, eh, whatever, I'm going to go on my way. No, you'd stop and watch. And then the disciples are supposed to cast the demon out. You're thinking, man, this is crazy stuff. What in the world is going to happen? And then they can't do it, but then Jesus comes on the scene, right? I mean, imagine if you were there watching. You would have been very interested in seeing what was going to happen here in this situation. Imagine if you were Peter, James, and John. Okay, You come down the mountain with Jesus, and, and, and where the mountain was and where the disciples were located, we don't know exactly for sure, but eventually they get to the other disciples. Peter, James, and John must have been thinking, what in the world is going on? Probably thinking, what have the rest of the disciples gotten themselves into? Right? That's probably what they were thinking. Well, as we read in, the, in, in chapter 9 here, they got to the disciples, and, and the crowd sees Jesus, and they're amazed, and they run up to him. They're probably thinking, man, these disciples can do it. Now that Jesus is here, I wonder what's going to happen. And as we read in this story, we're not going to review the whole thing over again. It's pretty straightforward. We've read the passage already. But Jesus comes on the scene. And we learn from this passage, as we've learned again and again, that first of all, Jesus cares. He cared for this boy. He cared for the father. He cared about this situation. Jesus cares and Jesus can. Jesus can help. And while it was a humiliating thing for those disciples not to be able to help, Jesus could help. He cares and he can help. Notice, first of all, how he was willing to get involved. You know, Jesus had just spent that time with those three disciples on the mountain, transfigured before them. They, they came down the mountain and they, they found the place where the other disciples were. You know, Jesus took the time to get involved. He could have decided, you know what, we need a team meeting. Let's huddle up. You know, whatever's going on here, we're going to have to deal with another day. No, Jesus took the time to get involved. He asked the question, verse 16, uh, what are you discussing with them? He saw that the scribes were there, arguing with his disciples. There's a crowd there gathered around. And he asked the question, well, what are you discussing with them? And so the father tells him what's going on. And Jesus ends up saying, well, bring the boy to me. And then he asked the father the question, well, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus took an interest in this father and his boy. He was willing to get involved. And unlike the disciples who were unable to help, Jesus was able to help. Jesus could do it. He could provide exactly what was needed. Notice verse 20 with me. It's kind of interesting. Because here you got the boy brought to Jesus, and this evil spirit immediately threw the boy into another of those convulsions. He fell on the ground, rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Isn't that interesting? It's almost as though this evil spirit or this demon was taunting Jesus, right? It's almost as though he's taunting Jesus. You know, the disciples couldn't do it. And now he's in the presence of Jesus and this evil spirit is, is causing the boy to go in this again. It's almost like you can't do it either is the attitude of this evil spirit in the presence of Jesus. Now you can understand maybe why the father would say to Jesus, if you can do anything. His disciples weren't able to do anything. And so this father seems to have been a little bit unsure if Jesus would be able to do it. The disciples couldn't. 
Would Jesus be able to? And so he asked the question, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Notice how Jesus responded to the Father. He said to him, if you can. You see, the question was not whether Jesus had the power to cast this evil spirit out of the boy and to help this boy, to heal this boy. That really wasn't the question. Jesus had the power to do it. The question was more so, would this father have the faith to believe that Jesus could do it? Jesus cared, and Jesus could help. But the question was, would this father have the faith to believe that Jesus could do it? And that leads us to our second main point. Jesus cares, Jesus can, but our faith and our prayers, that becomes a main focus in this passage. And we can say in terms of the Father, His faith, and and the disciples, their prayers, but as we think about how this might apply to us today, we need to talk about our faith and our prayers. And so Jesus asked the question, if you can, if I can do anything to help you, well, He's implying, of course I can. And then he says, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, some people might take this statement and and, um, run wild with it and say, well, Jesus is essentially saying, I can do whatever I want to do, right? As long as I just have enough faith, right? If I have enough faith, I'll turn into Superman, right? That's not the point. The point is that the person who truly believes will not set limits on what God can do. That's the point. Of course Jesus is able to do this. Do you believe that I can do that? That's the point Jesus is making. A person who truly believes will not set limits on God. Well, okay, Jesus could help someone who's sick, but apparently he can't cast out a demon out of my boy. The father's response is very interesting. I do believe. Help my unbelief. You find that a little bit interesting? All things are possible to him who believes. And the Father says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. What was the Father indicating here? The Father was indicating that, well, he did in fact believe that Jesus could do it. He still had a struggle going on in his heart and in his mind. He maybe had some doubts. Well, I believe, but yet there's these doubts swirling around in my head. I've often thought about this father's response in terms of life in general. Sometimes that's maybe exactly how we feel. Yes, I believe, God, that you can do this. Yes, I believe that you're with me, but but yet I, I have these doubts. I wonder sometimes. And Satan wants me to do that. He wants me to doubt that you care, that you can help me. I believe, but help my unbelief. You see, our faith in God, our faith in Christ, is never going to be perfect here in this life. There's always going to be a mixture of of faith and some unbelief and some doubt. The Father was very honest. And we can appreciate that. And maybe there's times where we feel exactly like Him. I do believe, but help my unbelief. And so Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. Come out and do not enter him again. 
and it came out. Jesus cares, and Jesus can. And this father and everyone else who was there learned an important lesson in faith, trusting that God is able to do exactly what is needed, not setting limits on what God can do. But if you notice in verses 28 and 29, not only is faith something that is brought up here, but also prayers. Let's read those verses again. And notice the, notice the emphasis on prayer in these verses. It says that when Jesus came into the house, so after this was all done, his disciples began questioning him privately. And this was a pretty common thing. They'd ask Jesus, what did that parable mean? What was actually going on? They had the opportunity to, to visit with Jesus about the things that they had seen and heard earlier in the day. And so they're back in the house and they began to question Jesus privately. Why could we not drive it out? A fair question, right? Because if you turn to Mark chapter 6, it says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7 that Jesus gave the 12 disciples authority over unclean spirits. It tells us in verse 13 then that they went out casting, casting out many demons and anointing many uh, sick people with oil and healing them, and they were also preaching. And so they had gone out and cast out demons out of people before. And so they're asking Jesus the question then, why were we not able to drive out this demon? Because Jesus had given them authority to do it. They had done it before. And yet here in this occasion, they couldn't. Jesus gives them the answer, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. A couple things we should notice. First of all, it seems as though Jesus is indicating that there are different types of of evil spirits or demons with different types of power. Okay? This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Okay? So first of all, it seems as though Jesus is indicating there are different types of demons with different types of power. But Jesus is also addressing the disciples and their, in, uh, their inability to help. And the way that Jesus responds seems to indicate that the disciples had not bothered to have prayer be any part of that experience that day. It seems as though the disciples had become a little overconfident in their ability to cast out demons. Perhaps they had gotten a little bit mechanical in what they were doing. You know, as they had cast out demons before because Jesus gave them the authority, well, here comes a man with his boy. Hey, he's got a demon. Can you cast it out? Yep, we can. Maybe they'd gotten a little overconfident, thinking that they had some power within them to be able to do this. Maybe they'd gotten a little bit mechanical about things. Well, of course. Oh, of course we can help. Demon be gone. But it didn't go. I imagine Jesus asking them the question, did you pray about this situation? Well, well, no, we didn't. You see, the power to cast out demons did not come from themselves. 
but from Jesus. And it seems as though they had become overconfident and maybe a little bit mechanical in what they were doing. And so Jesus is emphasizing the importance of prayer as they go about ministry. And there's application for us here today, isn't there? We can maybe feel like we know exactly what we need to do as a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a church council member, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to go do it. We're going to meet tonight for our council meeting. We're going to go and do this and do that. And, and we get a little bit mechanical about things. Kind of like the disciples. And Jesus would teach us the importance of prayer and, and being intentional about prayer and not just taking things for granted. I think that's what the, the disciples had done. They had taken for granted the authority that Jesus had made available to them to cast out demons. They thought they could do it whenever they wanted. And they hadn't prayed about it at all. This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. You know what Jesus is telling them? You could have been able to cast it out if you had prayed about it. And so you wonder, don't you, what kind of things could be different in our lives if, if we prayed about it? If we made prayer something that was a meaningful, intentional, regular part of our life. You see, sometimes we can get very mechanical about things. We can get overconfident. We can take things for granted. We can go about our work in such a way as though we're not really giving much thought to it. We're not bathing things in prayer. We're just kind of going through the motions, doing our thing. And then all of a sudden, something hits us, like the disciples here. And it reminds us of how important prayer is. I hate to admit it, but sometimes this is me. How about you? Do you find yourself doing this kind of a thing? It happens. So this passage would teach us the importance of prayer. I don't know exactly what's going on in your life today. Maybe I do, but maybe I don't. What I want you to, to learn and to know today from this passage is that, first of all, Jesus cares for you. That Jesus is able to provide exactly what you need in your life. Most importantly, salvation, right? Jesus cares about you. And Jesus has provided salvation for you. But in terms of your daily needs and daily living, Jesus cares about that too. And Jesus can provide exactly what you need. We can also learn from this passage the importance of having a confident trust in, in Christ. Confidently trusting God through the, the ups and downs of life. We can also learn the importance of prayer and persevering in prayer. And not allowing our life to become a mechanical going through the motions kind of a thing. We need to keep prayer intentional and a meaningful part of our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, you know the things that we need to learn from this passage today. Lord, sometimes we find ourselves saying exactly what the Father said. 
I do believe, but help my unbelief. Help us, Lord, as we go through life to grow in our faith in you, to more confidently trust in in your presence with us and your concern for us and how you will provide for our needs. Help us, Lord, to confidently trust in you through the ups and downs of life. And help us too, Lord, not to fall into the trap of taking things for granted or becoming overconfident or or just merely going through the motions. Lord, it's so easy to do that. It's easy to do that in regards to prayer. Help us, Lord, to see the importance of prayer. Teach us to pray. And Lord, as you do this work in our life, we pray that you would be glorified. Use us in great ways to serve you, to serve others, to further your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.